You're listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between a fit body and positive mental health. And our big mission, it's to help 10,000 runners to develop fitter minds in the next two years. I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to this episode of the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast. Today we hear from David Bailey. He is a Tasmanian trail running legend and someone who has been one of the most requested guests for me to get onto the podcast. And after listening to this episode, you will see why. He is a lovely, genuine bloke full of lots of running wisdom. Oh, and on top of all of that, He's also a lawyer, so <laughs> enjoy. Today on Fit Mind Fit Body, I want to introduce to you a Tasmanian running legend, and he's a very humble gentleman, and I don't think he even would like anyone to say that of him, but I just did, so too bad, David Bailey. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Michelle, and thank you so much for having me along. Well, as I said to you before you got on, there's a number of people who said, have you spoken to David Bailey yet? <laughs> Here you are. Um, and you have been on my list for a very long time. So I'm very grateful that you've jumped on and agreed because it's not everyone's cup of tea <laughs> getting onto no. a podcast and having a chat. No, I think it's great what you're doing and sharing those stories, encourage others, you know, to get into running for uh, mental and physical reasons. I think it's just yeah, great what you're doing and it's listening to some of your podcasts. It's definitely, you know, inspired me as well. Oh, awesome. Thank you. All right, let's get, we'll go to the beginning. Where did David Bailey grow up? Uh, so I grew up on a, a little island, Flinders Island, um, in the middle of Bass Strait. And I understand you're from King Island. So. I didn't know that. See, this is why <laughs> I love doing this stuff. So, yes, we're kindred spirits. We're Bass Strait kids. Yeah, so you know what it's like growing up on a small island, small community. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone knows everyone. Um, and, you know, it's a completely different environment over there. People leave their houses and cars unlocked and um, there's a lot of trust and community spirit. So, I was very lucky to grow up there um, and had a lot of freedom as a kid, just running around in the bush and um, being able to do whatever we wanted to do, essentially, um, which is a lot different if I had grown up here. So I think I was very blessed to um, have that upbringing on Flinders. Um, So I grew up there and I stayed there until grade 10, um, until I moved to Launceston for college. And what was sport like? I mean, I obviously know what it was like. You're a bit younger than me, but I know what sport was like on my island when I was, you know, to grade 10 when I was there. And uh, you, I, you probably, I don't know, you, you haven't listened to that. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Anyway, when I was at school, I actually ran, I was a good runner at school, but a good runner in a class of 25 or, you know, 50 <laughs> is not, you know, well, not a class, but a, a pool of that's how many children your age group are there. So it's not like a... Yeah, it's as you said, everybody knows everybody and you're a, a big fish in a small pond. I don't know how to, to put that. How was your running at school, basically, is what I'm asking you? So I was the complete opposite to that, actually. Yeah. So I never really had much of a talent for running at school. Wow. Um, you know, I was either in the middle of the pack or towards the back of the pack. Um, I was actually better at things like strength-based, so discus mm-hmm. and shot put. Um, and set some school records in those events. Um, awesome. I don't think I'd do that today with uh, these biceps. I don't <laughs> the strength anymore with running. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely wasn't a runner through school. Um, 
and I definitely think I had to turn myself into a runner in a way. So I was never one of those really um, lucky kids who have all the talent in the world um, who go out and just, you know, run times which are comparable to people, you know, a lot older than them. Yeah. So never really had that ability um, and only started running because I wanted to get fit for motocross. Um, oh. I used to, used to race state motocross and a lot of people don't actually know this, but um, you've actually got to have a lot of cardiovascular fitness for motocross. Really? It's really hard on the body. So, uh, yeah, that's how I started running. Um, how old were you then? So I I was on a bike by the time I was four years old. Um, as a bit of a family tradition. My dad's a really good motorbike rider. Yeah. Um, and he's won a, a lot of races and, you know, he's, he still rides today and he's really, really quick. So oh, yeah. I don't think I'd be able to catch him, that's for sure. But um, he got me into it and um, I guess that's where, you know, my – love of sport and you know commitment to becoming fit and um, becoming the best I could be started I guess I've got a a lot to owe to you know my motocross background. So talking about your family before we sort of dig right into your running um, are they all sporty or is it just you or do you have siblings how does that look? Yeah so um, my mum was a a good netballer really good netballer yeah Um, People say she never really missed a goal, so she was um, she was a very talented netballer. Um, my sister is always she hasn't really delved too much into sport, but she rides motorbikes as well, so she she'd probably beat me as well today quite easily. <laughs> um, she's she's a bit of a speed demon, so likes fast bikes and fast cars. Um, but yeah, I, I guess we don't really have um, I can't really say we have an Olympian or anyone like that in the yeah. family or something like that, but um, just a hardworking family who lived off the land and um, I think naturally people off the land are pretty fit and, um, you know, healthy and, um, yeah, I think that's probably the background that um, my running came from. Yeah, just that, um, yeah, I grew up on a farm on the island as as well and um, and it's just very, like you're outdoors, (laughs) at least when I was growing up it was pretty much you're outdoors all the time and, and um, getting all that fresh air and exercise just incidentally because that was your life, I suppose. Just... Yeah, definitely. I'd hate to think how many Ks I used to walk and ride my bike a day in school holidays, but um, <laughs> we did a lot, that's for sure. So did you travel much from the island for the motocross? Yeah, so I travelled to uh, the mainland, as we used to call it, Tasmania, coming from <laughs> Flinders. Um, so I used to travel to quite a few different places, motocross tracks and things to do mm-hmm. the state series. Um, which is a bit of an eye-opener for me. Um, coming from a little island, all of a sudden yeah. you're pitted against, um, you know, 30, 30 other riders uh, and starting motocross is really intimidating actually because you're all trying to get what you, what you call the whole shot, which is trying to get to the first cor- corner first before you're stuck in the mess, which mm-hmm. can sometimes happen, people crash and things like that. Yeah. So uh, pretty scary sport. Um, and I had my fair share of injuries as well. Um, and quite a significant injury was um, what actually got me into running uh, as well, which was um, I had a really bad motocross accident when I was probably 14. Mm-hmm. Um, the throttle stuck and the bike flipped. I had no control over it. Yep. Came down, landed on my left leg, um, and a couple of days later my leg, left leg swelled probably twice the size of my right leg. Um, oh, so I went through a period there where we really didn't know what was wrong, mm-hmm. Um I went to all the specialists, nobody could diagnose it. Um, and eventually they did a some sort of medical procedure and they said that it was cancer. Oh, um, really? So I was 
living with the fact that I thought I had cancer for a couple of months and obviously mum and dad and the family were really upset and I was upset because I didn't know what that would hold for my future being, you know, so young. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it turned out that I actually had um, lymphedema, which is a um, pretty rare condition for people my age. It usually arises from people who have cancer and then have radiation and treatment and it damages their lymph nodes. Um, just to give you a quick summary of what it is, so essentially we've got lymph nodes in our body, which mm -hmm. pumps around all the lymphatic fluid, which lubricates our bones. Um, so what happened was when the bike came down on my leg, um, it damaged the little modules that pump around the lymphatic fluid. Mm -hmm. And because of that, lymphatic fluid started to build up my leg. Um, and it was, yeah, essentially twice the size for, wow. I'd say, probably yeah five years before I started running. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, so it was a pretty devastating sort of injury, um, especially because I couldn't wear shorts or anything like that, being self-conscious. And oh. when I started running, because my leg was still sort of, I guess, swollen, damaged, um, I actually started wearing track pants. So I started racing um, in track pants, and I think my PB in track pants for 10K was 34 minutes, 59 <laughs> seconds or something. So... um shame. <laughs> But, I mean, it was hard because you people always wondered why I was wearing them. Yeah, of course. And I had a comment one day, just, you know, why'd you let a guy wearing track pants for you? So, obviously, <laughs> being a young age, you're like, you know, you're, I couldn't care less now. Um, yeah. But back then, you, you know, you're quite fragile being young and um, you take those things to heart. So, I uh, got really motivated to keep eating that person. He said that, that's for sure. Um <laughs> But, yeah, after a while, my leg actually started to reverse itself and the condition started to reverse itself. Um, and we found out that uh, running was the, the reason for that. Some Somehow created a, a different lymphatic flow through the body. Mm. So, uh, you know, I've got a, a lot to be thankful for with my running. Oh, that's amazing. What an amazing story. It Like it's almost like it's draining, like the running is, you know, causing your heart to beat faster and then everything to move around your blood to move around your, your body and I suppose all the lymphatic the nervous system to work better it's pretty yeah um... the doctors have never really seen it before but it's completely back to normal now um you know you've, you've never known that I ever had it so yeah it's quite incredible and yeah really you, thankful that did that I assume you but from your story then you had about um five years or more of it being very how long was it how long were you dealing with that that's probably a better question. Yes. So, yeah, I was dealing with that for about five to six years. Yeah. Uh, and we had to fly over three times a year to get um, special uh, special laser treatment, mm -hmm. um, which involved flying to Launceston and travelling down at 7am every morning to St Mary's and wow. spending three hours with laser treatment um, and then heading back to Launceston. So three days in a row was... Wow. Very, very tiring. And you, um, you went you know, to St. Mary's? Yeah, that was the only place that had this particular type of oh. laser. So it's like the specialist centre in Tasmania. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's a bit of a nightmare. Um, and mum and put mum and dad through a lot as well, having yeah. to take time off work. And yeah, it was a bit of pretty, I wouldn't say horrendous time in my life because, you know, I'm mm -hmm. thankful for uh, all parts of my life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, family supported me through that. And, um, yeah, so it was, it was a pretty tough six years, though, or five years. I imagine. It, um, I mean, we have everybody, nobody gets out of here, here alive, <laughs> alive, and, you know, we and we all have stuff thrown at us, and even the bad stuff 
you know, as you said, it teaches us things, things, and it's probably why running such a big part of your life now, in many ways, because it was, you know, a lifesaver, literally, um, potentially for you as well. So that's pretty moving, really. Yeah, but you know, at the end of the day, there's people have had a lot worse things, and some people can't even run because of their condition. So, yeah. at the end of the day, it was a bit of a minor blip, I guess, um, in my yeah. life. But um, it's all part of the journey. Very cool. Okay, so you get to the end of school, grade ten, on the island in Flinders. What happens then? Where does David Bailey go? And obviously, you're still dealing with this condition when you finish school. Yeah, so um, on the islands, there's limited opportunities once you get to grade 10. So if you want to move on to college, you have to, well, you don't have to now, you can stay on the island, but um, mm. you had to move off at that stage to get mm. a better education um, or either stay on the island, you know, get a job in some form of industry there. Um, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do at that stage. My dad's a, a mechanic, owns the mechanic workshop over there. So I did some work with him um, and really, really enjoyed it. So I went to the college thinking I was going to be a mechanic. Um, but, yeah, moved moved to Launceston, had to learn how to cook and do all those things. So I was living <laughs> with a couple of friends from Flinders. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're thrown into the deep end in a way, um, which all islanders are if they you know, have, to, have to move off island. But lucky enough, I had the support mm-hmm. of mum and dad paying for everything and being there for me. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I had two years there uh, in Launceston, which I really enjoyed. Um my teachers ended up encouraging me to um, study law. So that wow. was, yeah. So that's, that a, that's a difference, like mechanic to law. Yeah, I've always, I was lucky enough to have really good teachers on Flinders who, you know, always saw a little bit of ability in me and my mm. writing. I've always really enjoyed writing and um, school generally. So yeah. uh, I was lucky enough to be supported all the way through and for them to give me a bit of belief that, you know, I could could study law, which is a pretty big thing, again, coming from Little Island, thinking, uh, you know, I'm going to be a lawyer. I don't think many people have that sort of perspective when they leave school. But, um, yeah, yeah, I I did a gap year of dad in the mechanic workshop um, and really enjoyed it. And, you know, I could could have went out either way and I still would have been happy. Yeah. So so then you, I assume you headed to Hobart after that, after you were 11 and 12. Yeah, so after college, I went back um, to Flinders for a gap year, which that's what I was talking about where I did that um, bit of work with Dad, and that was when my running started, I guess. Um, There's a local fun run over there called the Flinders Five. Yeah. Um, And I think it's been cancelled this year, but it's been going for about um, eight years or close to ten years, I'd imagine, now. Wow. Um, So, yeah, I was trying to get fit for motocross and – uh, mum encouraged me to do the fun run because I was doing a lot of running. So uh, I headed out the gate one day for a 5K run, as you do, like just jumping straight into it. I was obviously didn't know much about running um, and I wanted to run 5K nonstop as a training run. So mapped out a course, um, took off from the, the home gate along the road and um, ended up getting back to the house absolutely stuffed, uh, about to collapse uh, in about 29 minutes. Um, wow. <laughs> that was my my first experience of uh, of proper running because prior to that I was just going for like a five to ten minute run thinking that yeah. was proper training. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I ended up doing the fun run and running really well and um, that's when my journey started. And so obviously the running prior to that had been, well, uh, to do with you, uh, it was helping your condition at the time with your leg. Um, yeah, so those, you know, those 2K, you were just saying you were just running the shorter runs a bit. 
that was really helping you with the the uh, the condition at the time? It was a little bit, but I think it took a little bit of time for the reversal to start. So okay. it probably took a bit of um, continual pressure, I guess, as I started to run more and um, force the body to drain the lymphatic fluid some other way. Yeah. So it was helping at that stage, but I didn't realise that um, running would be a you know a lifesaver um, yeah. at that stage. And you were um, running then just to stay fit, get fit for motocross. Yeah. So you, so- you were still like, you had the terrible accident, but you were still pretty keen to be into your motocross is that <laughs> yeah yeah definitely so I was still keen to race motocross and yeah. uh my idea of training was just a lap of the paddock um, which would probably only take five to ten minutes and I thought yeah. you know I was getting really really fit as you do when you first start and you have no idea because you come from nothing and all of a sudden you're doing you know even a little bit you know yeah. it's quite rewarding you know yeah. you start from nowhere and gradually start to build up and mm. start to feel generally fitter so yeah do you remember how you felt after that 5K race on Flinders Island, that first one? Yeah, so I was really elated, actually, because um, there was a really fast runner over there at the time, well, two really fast runners, mm-hmm. um, and everyone thought that they were, you know, going to be way out in front. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sort of gave me motivation to become the best that I could be in training to see how I could go, um, and, yeah, ended up winning the race. Um, wow. And I guess that just gave me, you know, it's not about winning, but just gave me a belief that I could actually run. You know, I didn't have any bit of talent there. Yeah, I didn't have any ability before that. So I came from uh nil to, you know, running well in a race. So that gave me a bit of belief. Does does doing well, I mean, I'm not going to skip all the way ahead to how well you do do now, but but um is that a part of the motivation for you, do you think? Or is are there other motivators for you? in your running yeah i'm actually very uncompetitive in terms of me against others um Mm. so i've always been that way um and i use others as inspiration for me to become my better self i guess Mm -hmm. so for me it's all about becoming the best runner i can be Mm -hmm. um in a race for example quite often there's really fast runners there and if they're, you know, if they beat me, they're out in front, then I use that as inspiration to think, okay, well, how can I get faster running uphill or downhill or wherever they're better than me? It's just a more of a, a motive, personal motivator for me to become my best self. Yeah. So it's not to beat them per se, but as but as a goal for you to improve your own running. Yeah, definitely. And I thrive on that sort of situation, which yeah. happens quite a lot in Tassie trail races because there's so many good runners. Yeah. But um, just going head to head with, you know those fast runners and just learning how you know how I can get better for example someone might be better uphill um and I start learning how I can run better uphill so I can you know become better personally but um yeah I never really compare myself with others because I think that can be you know very dangerous mm-hmm. um we're our own individuals yeah um and at the end of the day I, I think we just got to be you know happy with what we can achieve and also be happy for what others are achieving as well Absolutely. I love that. All right. You go, I assume, as we said, we after your year's gap in Flinders Island, you head to Hobart, I assume. I keep yeah, saying so, um, to headed down to, Yeah, so after the gap year, I headed down for uni, um, yeah. ended up boarding with a, a really good family friend who I consider to be my mum away from home. Um, so she looked after me and um, I was very lucky to have that because in Launceston, um, 
I didn't really have anyone at that time. I was mm-hmm. just I ended up moving out by myself actually. So that was a bit tough for yeah. uh, a year or so. But um yeah, that was really good and ended up um approaching Hanny Olston um uh-huh. to get a bit of coaching. So yeah. not only running coaching, but just life coaching generally. I was studying at the time, trying to set goals and things like that. So Hanny was, you know, incredibly um important in my journey as a runner and also my I guess she has a very similar mentality to me when it comes to running and trying to become our best selves rather than being, you know, overly competitive. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've, I learned a lot from her and her mindset and she really helped me out a lot. Um, when I first moved down, I didn't know any runners and she um, allowed me to build connections with other runners, introducing me to people and ended up um, being introduced to the Sandy Bay Harriers. Yeah. Um, so I ended up joining the club and I started actually doing some training on the track. So um, that was a bit of an eye-opener at the time. I had no idea. You know, I, I think track running is a little bit more serious. Um, mm-hmm. You know, all eyes are on you and you're on the track to yeah, run. Yeah, there's nowhere to hide, so, is there? <laughs> yeah. So that was really, really hard at first. But um, I guess that's where I started to build a bit of, bit of speed and, um, really start to push myself and start that journey of um, seeing, you know, becoming the best I could be. Wow. And so this, you're doing all of this sort of exploring who you are as a runner when you're in Hobart with the thanks, you know, to, to Hanny and the community down there. But you're also studying what most of us who have not studied law imagine to be quite a taxing mental activity. Do you find... How did you balance it all? And do you think it was complementary, I suppose, this physical endeavour as well as this mental endeavour that you were putting together at the same time? Yeah, I think um, as we go through life, we find different systems that um, are best applied to a certain situation. So at that point in time, um, you know, I I was single. um, So I could, uh, you know, do whatever I want in terms of my program for the day. So, for example, I was really... I'd go to bed really early, so 9 o'clock, 8.30 sort of thing, and I'd actually get up at 4 o'clock and do my training before uni, um, which was pretty hard in Hobart winter. Um, And I guess that sort of hardened me up a little bit. And uh, I think Tassie runners were renowned for that being, you know, hard runners because we sort of um, run to the elements and we always get out there no matter what the cold is like or whether it's raining or, you know, really hot. So... Um, at that time, I was, I was pretty flexible in terms of I'd get my training done early um, and then I'd just go to uni uh, quite tired still. But, um, yeah, I got through it. And luckily enough, as I said before, I was with my um, family friend who, you know, she did everything essentially. Didn't ask her to. I wanted to do my own cooking, but I'd come home and she'd done everything. So um, she definitely helped me get through that period of my life. And, um, yeah, it was a very taxing time. A lot of study involved, a lot of time but I essentially treated my uni as a full-time job. So yep. turning up there at eight, eight o'clock and work three or five. And how long was, how long is the university degree? How long was your university degree? Uh, I did a law arts degree. So mm-hmm. um, I ended up studying for five years, um, which went by pretty quickly, actually. It's a bit of a blur, which um, thinking back now, five years is a long period of time, but um yeah, it went went by really quickly and I really enjoyed my time at university. Um, 
uh, you know, I didn't really get involved with all the partying and things that some people do. I just wanted to focus on my study and get the best marks I could. So um, that was my focus at uni. Yeah, it seems you're quite driven to achieve, you know, whatever goals that you set out, whether it's to, you know, become a lawyer or to improve your running personally. And you you don't let, like a lot of us, especially when we're younger in those years, as you said, that partying and things uh, certainly did go on. <laughs> and and um, so it's quite interesting that you you were able to get through that period without having too much distraction and be able to do well in both of those areas of your life, the physical and the, the mental. Yeah, I think um, it's a little bit different when you grow up in design as you start to go through high school. I think the partying starts earlier. So I did do the partying, but I just think it was at an earlier stage of my life. So that helped when um, it came to the crunch and I was actually at uni. I don't think I've ever thought about it like that. (laughs) Now now I'm on reflection, um, but maybe that's true. (laughs) Yeah, so I guess over there we used to go camping and things like that. Um, In high school we had a little bit more freedom, whereas people over here sometimes it's a little bit more restrictive and it's you know, harder to do that sort of stuff so um would go camping most weekends so I guess that's you know a different lifestyle over there it is totally different <laughs> um all right so talking about different lifestyles you've now been in Hobart for how long oh um it's a tough question actually I think about that hmm. uh well I've been in this job for six years so coming up 12 years now I yeah. imagine yeah. yeah so you went straight out of uni into a job as a lawyer, I assume. So when you graduate from uni, then you have to do a half-year um, intensive legal practice course, mm-hmm. which is essentially they throw you into a situation where it's as if you're a lawyer, um, you're acting for fake clients, they put you in court, oh, wow. put you under pressure, uh, try and get you used to what it's like to actually be a real-life lawyer. So wow. went through that um, and uh, luckily enough, yeah, I landed in at this firm uh, it was a different name at the time but um yeah I've been here ever since six years now so oh that's amazing awesome Um, look you said pressure then and often on this podcast we talk about um you know just the pressures in life whether it's work or family or just other things that happen and how running has helped people with you know dealing with some of that pressure whether it's just a release you know people often talk about well Sometimes I run home because I know then I can deal with all the things that have happened through the day at my work and I don't, you know, take it home with me. Do you find, not that you necessarily do that process, but do you find that running helps you with, you know, that stress and the pressure that you have at work and just sort of releasing it a little? Yeah, definitely. And um, the structuring is a little bit different these days in terms of when I go for my run. So um, when I met Kirsty, my wife, mm-hmm. um, you know, you start to change things and how things best operate for you at any given time so um Kirsty is a bit of a uh, she likes to stay up late and um mm-hmm. and get up later um so <laughs> so now I go to bed a little bit later and um get up a little bit later so I uh spent you know just spend as much time with her because that's you know my favorite part oh. of the day is coming home um yeah. spending time with her but um because of that I don't get up early um other than on weekends because you have a little bit more flexibility there. But um, all my lunch, all my training now is done in my lunch break. So What? Um, yeah. So How does that look? Tell me a bit about that, David. How does the training at lunchtime work? Yeah, so I'm lucky enough um, being in more of a senior sort of position here now. I've got more flexibility in setting when I work and things like that. So I generally, you know, do a lot of overtime, start earlier, finish mm-hmm. later. Um, so I get 65 minutes of actual runtime. 
so that's not getting ready or anything like a shower afterwards it's that's actual running time awesome. um, which is which is perfect so I get up around 13 to 14 k's uh, on the trails um and yeah I'm really lucky here because we're in the CBD so um, within 10 minutes I can be up knock lofty I can be up Mount Nelson trails up the Cascade trails um McCrovey's gully so there's a lot of different options within close reach um so you know I've really got perfect training conditions where I work so I can just head straight out onto the trails um it's a little bit hard because I don't sometimes my lunch breaks not until four o'clock for example I just work all the <laughs> way through um I'm not very good at that I need to prioritize you know in this job I think you prioritize clients a lot yeah, um sometimes to your pretty much all the time to your detriment yeah. um which often results in me not getting the my proper time for my lunch break you know it might be later on. I might even get a lunch break but um try and avoid that where I can yeah um, and just get those consistent lunch break runs in wow I love that and how often would you go at lunchtime uh so I go don't miss a day um so you know every day every lunch break I run yeah. um usually yeah most commonly around three o'clock or something like that by the time I get everything done for the day that I want to get done and I feel that that's better because I don't really want to go for a run while there's still things in my mind so I like to pump out the work and be in a good position to be able to go for a run in a bit of a a more calm mindset I guess but um, you're talking about pressure that lunch break run definitely helps um, both my mental health and physical health because in my job you definitely need that break to get outside um you know i might have my head in head in the documents and the computer screen and all of a sudden i'm on some beautiful trails and don't think about work i just um escape and and yeah it's great i didn't haven't asked you what kind of law that you are practicing so i i'm a commercial and property lawyer um so big business acquisitions um loan agreements um leases uh restructures and big property acquisitions as well so that sort of yeah um area yeah so a lot of sort of complex things to unravel and detail to be aware of yeah so often when i go my lunch break depending on the day sometimes i'm gonna be just so mentally drained um but um you just got to push yourself and Mm -hmm. surprising how good you can feel once you're actually out there in in the fresh air and bit of sunshine yeah, we have talked on the podcast a number of times about that. I really don't feel like I want to go for a run. I don't feel like it. Then you get out there and the first few steps, suddenly there's nothing else you want to do. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of, it's an energizing, even when you're really tired, it it gives you energy. Like it's seems if you're not a runner, you don't quite understand, but it, yeah. it gives you energy even when you're tired, which I think is um, amazing. Yeah, definitely. I have a bit of a wind down process. So just before my run, I sort of, um, put in the earbuds, listen to some music, and um, still do a little bit of work, but as if I'm sort of scaling off to go for my run. Oh, I love um, it. So, do that for probably 20 minutes or so. So, I'm more in a, a mindset to be able to go for a run and then I head out. And yeah, I've, I've never finished a run thinking, oh, I feel worse than what I, yeah. before I started. So, exactly. Yeah. Um, before we move more onto, you know, your running in general, which is what I'd like to do, um, I just wanted to ask about. You know, you've gone from country island boy to big city, Tasmanian style, big city, <laughs> in Hobart, and working in the middle of the the city. Um, how, how have you found that? Like, obviously, you've been there for a while now, so it's you know, 
kind of second nature home and all of that but do you still you know you miss the the space and as you said before on the island you know, this is the same as the island I grew up on everything you know, everybody knows everybody but it's also that freedom I suppose there's a bit more freedom and space and all of that do you do you ever reflect on that yeah definitely I mean I still get back to Flinders when I mum and dad and Pretty much all my family is still there, so I get back in um, in my breaks and things. Um, and it's different, completely different sort of time frame over there. Mm-hmm. Everything moves a lot slower, and you got a, got more time because you know here you got traffic, you got traffic lights, you know, um, you got queues and things like that. So over there, it's a lot more relaxed, and I think you're just generally more calm, and um, you're not on edge. Whereas here. Yeah. As soon as you fly back on the plane, you feel it straight away, just the faster pace of life, um, which takes a lot of getting used to. Mm. Um, so I do try and take a bit of time to, um, you know, relax after work and things like that because it is a lot more fast-paced to what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I find it difficult, for example, to go out into the CBD during lunchtime because there's just so many people. And, um, yeah, it's a little bit different to my upbringing what I'm used to and um, that's why I like to escape <laughs> in the trails so I think I could live in the city um, we bought a house at um, Midway Point um, made mm-hmm. sure that we had a which is about 25 minutes out of the city um, made sure we had a bit of a garden and nice view and it's a nice and private house and no one overlooks you so mm-hmm. I guess that's my escape um, and uh, I still feel at home in you know in Hobart um, yeah. I think I would feel at home if I actually lived in the city itself yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I used to work in an office in Launceston for a few years um, in my 20s and it was when I had, you know, started running as an adult and I used to run probably three or four four lunches a week um, as well and because we had a shower and stuff where I worked. And um, what I loved, though, which is something you just described, and I never really thought about it from a Hobart perspective because I haven't done that kind of running in Hobart, but that ability to be in a very urban environment and then very quickly be on the trails, like, you know, we've got the gorge and things like that at, uh, in Launceston, but you've got similar stuff done in Hobart, which I, it must be, you know, say so lovely. Imagine if you were in a place where it was not so easy to get into nature, uh, you know, yeah. just after five or 10 minutes of jogging. <laughs> it's- yeah, it's incredibly lucky. And a lot of interstate runners come down here and just can't believe it. Um, and I've had a lot of people say that, you know, Hobart, Launceston, uh, for runners, probably the best places to live in Australia in terms of access to the trails. You can yeah. work in the CBD and just be up in the uh, dense forest within minutes. So, um, you know, Kanani's on our back, step, back doorstep, you know, and um, not as if I can get up to the top of my lunch break, but at least I can be in the foothills. And, Come on, try harder. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we are incredibly lucky. And um, yeah, I don't know how I'd manage if I... You know, I was in a place where I couldn't actually go for a, a run in the on the trails and I had yeah. to pound the pavement. That would be terrible. Yeah. Which brings me into some of the running questions that are more, more um, specific around running. Obviously, you've said trails many times. You come from, you know, country, island environment. I assume trails are your favourite place <laughs> to run versus, and, of course, Hanny's one of your mentors. So <laughs> I assume trails are, are you one of your favourite places to run rather than road running or track running? Yeah, they definitely are now. Um, when I first started, so I come from a, that track and road running background. So um, till about 2013 or 2014, I was training specifically for the road and marathons and trying to get my 
times as quick as I could on the roads. Yeah. So that was the focus for a while. And, you know, I still went trail running in my training and things like that and really enjoyed it. But um, I didn't really think so much about actually actively focusing on trails because mm -hmm. I enjoyed running fast on the roads at that time, trying to get my times down. That was my motivator. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I started to get into trails, um, I guess around 2000, end of 2013 or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, I just fell in love with trails and trail racing. It's just, um, a lot more variety and the fact that you can, um, even when you travel, you know, you can go somewhere and go for a trail race and get to see stuff that other people just wouldn't see because you cover a lot of ground when you run. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's one of the best things to do when you're on holiday, um, so yeah, I love exploring new trails, new places, and just being in in nature. And yeah, you're right. I guess that comes from my islander background, and you know the love of the bush and the land. Um, so yeah, I, I transitioned into trail racing and um, ended up having some really good races. And that's where I thought you know I could actually be a a good trail runner. Yeah, well, you are a good trail runner, so I can attest to that. <laughs> you, you did do that, so that's good. Um, so when you're training, like you you just described um probably five days a week at least where you where you hit the trails from um from the office. What do you do on the weekends? Are you running so, training too? Yeah, so I run seven days a week. Um an average around 90 Ks a week. Um okay. but with the trails and the elevation, because it's mostly climbing and technical probably equate to 100 to 120 on the road okay. if I was doing road training. Mm -hmm. um, so on the weekends, I'm lucky enough where we live that are close to the main ranges. Mm -hmm. um, that's a place I really feel at home and um, probably my favourite place to train. Uh, it's only 10 minutes down the road and I can start my run at, you know, 7.30 on a Saturday or Sunday and not see anyone on beautiful trails. So it's just I can wow. go there. It's almost like my personal meditation, I guess. Um, I love that. So yeah, pretty much every every day I run, and I don't know how I could. Um, you know, some days I might miss a run. Very very rare. Um, there's a time there where I, I think I had a running streak up of about two years. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, how are you doing your running streak? But obviously not deliberately, or not deliberately, but just just for the love of it, love of it. And the reason I missed my run was because um, my wife ended up in emergency. So oh. um, I think that was a good enough good <laughs> enough reason at the time. But it took that to um, to break that particular streak oh, wow. but um these days you know if, I, if i'm sick or you know covid i've had covid um mm -hmm. i've had a couple of days off i'm a little bit more sensible these days yeah so you're not as as uh, driven you're kind of listening to your body a bit too so if, or all life circumstances pop up you're not allowing um you know your desire to run every single day to get in the way yeah because i mean when i first started running as you said before you can probably tell straight away i'm very um goal driven mm. so uh, on the roads I just kept pushing myself faster and faster and mm. further and further um until I actually reached breaking point and yeah. got burned out um and actually collapsed during a cross-country race oh wow um, with all my um blood levels and everything iron b12 all the important indicators were virtually at zero um so yeah I've I don't know it's really hard when you first start running because that's what you want to do. You want to get faster and better personally. Um, but that drove me into the ground. I was so focused on times and splits and things like that. So um, trail running sort of gave me the opportunity to um, get away from that and just focus on how I feel in the moment. You know, any given trail, you're not going to run the same pace because there's so much 
different variety um and it's really important now you know i find that i'm more consistent and i get fitter quicker by listening to the body and mm. skipping a speed session if um i don't feel up for it in a particular day which i wouldn't have done when i first started running i just would have pushed through it um, and would have got sick most likely um and I pretty much had every running injury there is <laughs> and now i'm pretty much injury free so it's great so how would you and i think it's a really important lesson for everyone how would you advise other people coming to running who've got a bit of talent to get you know to do well and i think that is part of the drive sometimes when you have that it's almost like a it's a gift and a curse at the same time because it's that drive it, it every time you do well it's another drive to do well again and you, you push and push and push yourself what would your advice be to you know young people who found that and actually even older people who start running and find they're doing well in age group and things like that um, to avoid those kind of burnout situations, how do you how do they listen to your body? It's one of those tricky. Yeah, things. so I'm I'm a little bit different in terms of most people with um, technology splits, elevation, and yeah. all that. Um, but I'll start where I'll start at the start. What I'd advise um, someone new to running is you hear it all the time. Patience, you know, yeah. um, in your podcast as well. I've heard that people say that over and over again. Um, you got to be really patient with running. Um, you got to take your time and gradually build up your base so that you can, you know, handle running faster because if you keep pushing through, you just become uh, injured, especially younger ones as well. You see those really fast young kids and sometimes they just disappear, like they just get out of running because, you know, they break down, they get injured um, or like me, they um, get burnt out. So it's really important just to keep focusing on, um, being gradual with your training, mm-hmm. um, gradual increase in training load, um, not doing too much fast stuff too soon. Yeah. Um, and it's really, really complex running if you want to actually be here for the long term. So definitely helps having, you know, a coach or someone to guide you, like mm-hmm. Henny, for example, um, who can actually, you know, hold you back a little bit and say, look, it's a long-term game. In 10 years, you know, you could be, uh, you, you know, an incredible runner, but right now you've just got to focus on building up to that because you can't be a, a great runner um, straight away. It, it does take a lot of consistency and a lot of a lot of time. Um, and in terms of listening to the body, uh, talking about that period of my life where I went into burnout with running, mm. um, the best thing that I learned from that experience is to not focus on um, meeting every single split goal in any session looking at your pace and things like that i think it's really important as a runner to be able to not look at your watch at all um actually learn your different efforts and different paces so that um you know in races for example you you actually uh, can pace yourself correctly Mm. Um, for example i can go for a run here um and it'll be an out and back won't look at my watch and i'll come back um around one hour and five minutes exactly so um I think it's a really useful thing to have, and I definitely take that approach. I'm coaching the Make Me a Marathoners for the Tasmanian Roadrunners. Awesome. So we have a program where um, we ask for applicants to come forward who want to run a marathon for the very first time. Yeah. We provide them with training, a 12-week program and support, um, which I find really, really rewarding. Um, It's a little bit hard sometimes to get them into my mentality because they're so worried about nailing a certain pace because all mm. my training is effort-based so 
I say, you know, you need to do um, one minute efforts at um, 5K pace, for example, uh, 5K effort, for example, yeah. and trying to communicate to them it's not so much pace, it's actual effort. Yeah. Um, because, you know, if you run up a slightly undulating trail or something like that, you're not going to be able to maintain the pace, are you? So um, mm-hmm. effort-based training is a big belief of mine um, and being, being able to hone into that on a variety of different tra- uh, terrains and not being upset if you miss a miss a kilometre split because that's where you get burnout and things like that. We um, I did a 60K last year and had some coaches from uh, the Netherlands who and their one of their uh, main philosophies is around heart rate and which is basically effort <laughs> so so and that a lot of that was slowing you down actually like and, and trying to stay at a particular heart rate you know uh, or effort uh, and that worked really well for me I really enjoyed that as as frustrating as it was to to go oh no but I did that very slowly because your heart rate at the heart rate at a particular pace. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, the body's an incredibly complex scene. You think about, you know, doing a 5K race, you might do three 5K races over three weeks. It's quite common for people to um, go out and be within seconds of their previous times mm. without looking at their watch mm. because the body zones into the natural pace that you can maintain yeah. for that distance. You just, you just, just does it on the start line. You're thinking, okay, I'm about to run 10K. I'll get into my 10K pace, you know, and you just you maintain it without looking at yeah. your watch. That is amazing. In fact, I think even those coaches were saying that is their ultimate goal for their runners is that they can, they know without looking at their watch or without having a watch at all, that they know, um, like you said, that they're at a particular pace because because they know their body. And I guess that's what it is, tuning into your own body um, as an individual for your whatever event you're in or whatever race you're doing or runs. I mean, everyone's different. Some people thrive on the stats and that's the reason why they run, you know. So there's no correct approach. But I think some of your running does need to be more zen in the moment without the technology, focusing on heart rate, how you're breathing, how you're feeling. Yeah. 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 And that's a big part of what I'm trying to do here too is that to teach people that you can, I mean, I call it mindful movement, but running is a mindful activity. And that science even shows that the things that go on in our brains are very similar to what happens when someone's meditating. So the, there are, and you can deliberately put yourself into that state while you're running. But if you're all focused on your technology and things like that, as you were alluding to before, then you're actually not allowing yourself to get very easily into that state, which is really positive and healthy for us. If you do get into that state, it's much more healthy for you. So, you know, trying to you know, have runs, as you said, that are more mindful is uh, very good for us mentally and physically. I Definitely. Love that. Yeah. And some people like to think about things on the run, but, you know, sometimes it's yeah. good just to um, shut off and just, you know, focus on nature, the bird call, the sun, exactly. the wind on your face. Yep. Um, and you end up going to come back uh, feeling a lot better and in a better mindset to then think about difficult decisions um, totally. that you need to make. Yeah, yeah, you put that very well. Much better than me. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I've even been for a run today. I should be speaking much more clearer. Clearer. Um, so what I wanted to ask you was you said before you've had a bunch of injuries and now you're feeling, you know, that you've got into a space now where, you know, you're not having many injuries and things like that. How was it when you did have injuries and it actually when you had the burnout as well, how did you feel? Feel like the, how did that affect you? You know, when you couldn't run, when you can't run for a period, how do you feel about that? 
yeah, it's, it's, it was incredibly hard because running is such an important part of my life and, right. and it's part of my ordinary day, just like eating or sleeping, really. It's just a, yeah. a natural extension of my life. So um, during those really difficult periods where I was injured probably every month, ITB issues, stress fractures, seized hips, a whole lot. Like I don't even know how I got some of these injuries. Um, but, yeah, I just remember one particular day in winter, um, it's a really cold morning and I had an injury and I'd been doing a bit of bike riding. I thought I'd give it a go 4am in the morning. It's pouring down the rain, tried to go for a run and hip seized up straight away. So I remember jumping into the, the sea um, just to try and ice it off a little bit and try and make it better and just, you know, cursing running and um, what it was all the hardships I was going through because I couldn't actually run to the, the best of my ability. So I was incredibly frustrated and, um, mm-hmm. And definitely hard trying to push through that when you have setback after after setback. And um, but I mean I maintain the fitness on the bike um, and pool running as well, which I find incredibly valuable for mm-hmm. injured runners. And mm-hmm. it's something I incorporate into a lot of my training with the make me a marathoners as well. If they get an eagle, just jump straight in the pool. Um, but yeah, nothing beats running. It's just you know it's my form of exercise. Some people love cycling, whatever it is doesn't matter if it's, you know, what form of exercise it is, as long as it makes you feel better mentally and physically, um, then, you know, just go for it. So um, how long do you think you'll run for? Definitely um, I don't, I'll just keep running till I can't any longer basically. So I definitely don't have, I'm not one of those runners where I have a set um, age in mind where I'll just mm-hmm. stop running. Um I know that, you know, in uh, 15 years' time, I'm going to be slower, I'm going to be sore, um, but I'll still, I know that I'll still enjoy running for what it is um, and getting the best out of myself um, still. So, you know, you've, it doesn't matter what age you are or what ability, you've always got things to aim for and um, I, I'll never stop aiming for things for, with running, that's for sure. So what do you think drives you with your running? I know you're talking about goals before, but what do you think drives you to keep running? in particular? I just think it's just something that's inbuilt into me. Um, you know, I could have any hobby in the world, you know. Mm. You know, some people play chess, for example, want to be the best at chess that they possibly can. And running is just that thing that I've just found that it's my natural thing to do. Um, mm. And I want to see how far I can push myself. And I guess it's just pushing personal boundaries more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um and that gives me confidence in every, you know, other things in my life as well, knowing that I can achieve certain things. So um, I take a bit of a holistic approach with um, life and running is a part of that and achieving goals means that um, I need to be doing well with my running from a personal perspective. So yeah. I guess that's what drives me. As I said before, just trying to become my best self. Um, and I think running has actually made me a better person too, um, oh, you know, it. just chatting to other runners as well and coaching people and seeing runners of all ages and abilities, you know, it's um, it's been really good for my journey so far. Oh, I love that. So it's kind of a, a question that I should have asked earlier, but when do you think you called yourself a runner for the first time in your life? Oh, I don't know if I – it's hard because, um, yeah. yeah, it's a really hard question because how you perceive yourself is not always how others perceive you. Um <laughs> especially with running, you know, I cringe at the word um, elite and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think anyone's really elite when you think about it because 
you know, there can only be one person who's best in the world and they might only be best for that particular day. Um, so I think we're all elite, really, in our own little ways, um, you know, achieving our own goals. Um, but, yeah, I think I think from that very first day, actually, when I just went for a run out the front gate and did 5K in 29 minutes from that moment on, yeah. you know, I thought that I was a runner because, you know, I'd deliberately gone out there and pushed myself and gone beyond what I thought I could achieve. So, um, yeah, I think that was probably the starting point. That's when you were a runner. Um how do you think your family and friends see you as a runner? How do they feel about that? Uh, my wife is incredibly supportive yeah. um, and definitely I think running is so tired with how you're feeling in everyday life as well. Mm. So I think naturally um, I started to improve, you know, when I met my wife and, you know, just being happy generally in life, I think, influences other aspects so she's really supportive she travels to with me to heaps of races and allows me to do all the races I do um and the benefit of that is we get to travel get to see new places she gets to pick everything that we do outside of running on the holidays so (laughs) she'll pick where we eat what she wants to do and you know I'm happy with that because I've got my run in and um as long as she's happy I'm happy so um, yeah, she's she's been a major supporter of mine and, you know, I couldn't be where I am without her. Um, and the family generally, mum and dad, you know, I think I got my hard work ethic from them. That's, mm-hmm. for, that's for sure. All my grandparents as well, they're all incredibly mm-hmm. hardworking and um, humble and always trying to help others. So um, I guess that helped me be the person I am today. And, yeah. you know, I think I'm just a reflection of them, really, my parents and my my broader family so they're always really supportive and really proud just like I'm proud of them and my sister and everything they're achieving so yeah beautiful oh I love that um what I wanted to ask some things around um whether you uh listen to things when you're running I know you said you listen to something before you leave the office it gets you in the the zone um and prepares you for running do you listen to anything while you're running no, I've never listened to anything while I run. Um, mm. It definitely comes back to more of that. I mean, people still meditate and listen to music, mm. um, but I guess the natural sounds, you know, being out in nature, the bird call and stuff like that is um, my form of music, which is mm. strange because the music I listen to and often the music that's running through my head is uh, I listen to heavy metal. So um, <laughs> that's what I listen to before I go for a run. And um, that's always yeah. been stuff that's, um, I don't know, I've always loved heavy metal and that just allows me to watch, I guess, um, and having like particular lyrics in my head and things like that. So a bit of a strange one, but um, yeah. Because <laughs> you're such like, a calm, like people who don't know you, I'm sure they can tell through the podcast, you're a very calm, quiet, as we said before, humble guy. Um, so then listening to heavy metal seems to almost the opposite, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's strange. Alter ego. So I said, I, you know, I'm not competitive, which I'm competitive, but I'm incredibly competitive with myself. Yeah. Um, so in racing, like I might look calm on the surface, but there's a lot of stuff <laughs> raging through my mind. And, um, yeah. you know, I guess I've always had an inner warrior, <laughs> what mm-hmm. I call it, um, with my running. So. I don't know, just somewhere from deep within, I just always have the ability to sort of push beyond what I thought I could do before the race started. Mm. So I always draw upon that. Um, a lot of that's tied to the the uh, 
external things like music that I listen to and things like that. And yeah, it's interesting. It is. That's really interesting. Um, the another common question that we ask on the podcast is that motivation to get out the door when you're not feeling it for whatever reason. Obviously, and it feels funny to ask people like you that question who who are obviously quite driven uh, internally to to keep up their practice of running for all sorts of reasons. I you know you you've said the music as we said a minute ago sort of that preparation. Are there any other things that you do that make sure that, you know, especially when you've committed to yourself that you're going to train X, Y, Z, or maybe you've got a program you're following or something, you know, apart from, you know, emergencies uh, and and things that that should stop you running, how do you, you know, on those days where you're feeling a bit, I don't really want to go for a run today or whatever, or because your body what I find sometimes is it lies to you as well, or your mind as maybe it's the difference between your mind and your body, you know, where it says, you know, I, I'm feeling lazy today. I don't want to go for a run, but once you start running, it's, you feel better or, you know, it's the difference between, is it an injury or, or is, you know, your body just being lazy and it's that initial niggles and things when you, when you're running. So it's kind of a, I'm probably making this question sound more complicated than it is, but what other motivations do you have to get yourself out the door? I guess it's just that um, reminder in the back of your head that, um, you know, it's a disservice to yourself if you don't go out there and um, go for a run and um, get the physical and mental benefits of going out for the day. So I sort of, in my mind, I just have it as a bit of a a red mark on my day if I don't go for a run. And um, I guess that gets me out the door because I know I'm going to probably be, uh, moody and not happy if I don't go for a run so yeah, yeah. it's just I think that it's always for me personally no matter how I feel unless I'm injured um, yeah. just always I feel better if I go for a run I know when I get back I probably won't feel as tired and drained and you know I could probably do another five hours of work for example and wow. feel rejuvenated yeah um <clears throat> sorry what would be or if you think about it what's your favorite run um, yeah, that's another hard one. Um, I mean, every single, I mean, it's hard because when you travel interstate as well, particularly, um, to some places you connect with, like you'll go there and just the landscape, you really connect with and think, oh, this is such a nice place. It reminds me of home. Um, and some places you go and just think, oh, you know, this, this doesn't feel right. Um, mm. Australian, but I've always had that sort of, um, mentality when I race interstate, some races, I just feel really at home. Yeah. Um, locally, it have, you know, I love triple tops. It's just yeah. such a challenge, really, um, really technical. Yeah. You know that um, if you're on the start line, you're going to be a bit battered and bruised by the end of it. Exactly. Um, I love Gone Nuts, um, mm-hmm. the 50K, just running along um, the Cape there. It's such spectacular scenery. You start mm-hmm. off in the darkness with your head torch and you start climbing a hill um, pretty much straight away and you can look back and you can see all the, the headlights, you know, in the backdrop coming up the hill as the sun starts to rise. So oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's incredible views. I wish I carried a camera with me some of the time. Um, and I've really been enjoying just the Kanani Trail series. All those races are really good because they explore different um, areas on the mountain um, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's good variety. Uh Interstate, um, I really like what's called the Donna Double at the Warburton Trail Fest. Mm-hmm. So that's a, 
a mountain run, you climb about a thousand, one thousand two hundred meters in about eight k's or something like that. Oh, gosh, <laughs> that's a lot. Straight, straight back down again. It really reminds me of Hobart, like it's and Derby as well. It's really a lush forest, and um, the town's right on the base of the mountain. So every single road you go to, there's a trail that leads off it. Um, yeah, so I'd say those sort of races are my favourite. Um, but I don't think there's been many races that I've done that I haven't enjoyed, to be honest. Um, there's a lot of great trail runs in Tassie. Like pretty much every one we have in Tassie is amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> I probably I shouldn't be surprised that you would say that. Pretty much every race, actually, <laughs> or every run I do is amazing. <laughs> yeah, I think the Tassie organisers are really good. Um, they're all runners, so they know yeah. the best places to run. Um, and I think that they've brought their events to the most spectacular places in Tassie. So the Endorphin Trail Series as well, yeah. you know, running at Freysonet Fre- and you know, all those beautiful places. So, um, yeah, I haven't started a trail race in Tassie yet where it hasn't been spectacular, that's for sure. Do you have any aspirations or have you done any overseas, just out of curiosity? Uh, yeah, so I haven't actually been overseas as yet, so okay. I haven't even got a passport, but I need to work on that. <laughs> um, once the queues get a little bit better, I think it's a four-month wait or something. Wow. But I definitely want to um, go on the Australian team for mountain running or trail running, so I'll probably try and do that this coming year. Amazing. Um, and I was very close to getting on the... Um, the 100k national team back in 2005 um but then i got injured and just missed out on the, the deadline um so i missed out there but um yeah i definitely want to do a bit of travel my um, wife she's from the uk yeah. so she's traveled pretty much everywhere because it's so easy to travel from the uk um so i want to go to uk italy mm. um, us canada so there's heaps of places i want to go that's for sure there's lots of european like especially in the trail and of course, America, and well, actually, all over the world. There's lots of trails <laughs> that you can, uh, you know, events which are very, you know, um, auspicious type of events to to go to, and like stunning scenery and all of that, just like we have here in Australia and in Tassie. Yeah, definitely. So definitely got a lot more exploring to do. Yeah, but you're young, plenty of time. Um, what do you think your life would be if you had not adopted running so wholeheartedly? Yeah, I don't can't actually picture it to be honest. It's mm-hmm. like it's now that I've started, it's like it's always been there. It's always been within me. So I was always going to start running, even if it wasn't at an early, early age. Um so yeah, I actually can't imagine it now, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It'd be so absurd. Um I can't imagine just sitting on the couch and not doing some form of exercise. So um yeah, I I'd probably have to think about that a little bit. It'd be a little it's- bit of um sci- sky fire, yeah. I think. Especially because you're, you know, your job's quite sedentary, really. Like you, you're, you're needing to sit down to do your work. You can't do your lawyering as a rule, you know. Yeah, so it's a good break okay. um, going for that run in the middle of the day mm. because you know, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're sitting down a lot, um, a lot of screen time. So mm. it's just the perfect form of exercise. Um, getting up, going for a run, getting the the body kick started into a bit of exercise. Yeah, I think your your headline for this podcast will be, "Without running, my life would be absurd." i honestly can't can't imagine it so yeah that is so cool i love it all right i've kept you for ages um before we wrap up though i've got a couple of questions including is there anything about running i'll ask you for some tips in a minute but is there anything about running in general that you we haven't talked about that you would like to share 
No, I think you've um, you've been really comprehensive. So I think we've covered covered most things. So I can't really think of anything else. Oh, I, well, I do have one question, actually, another one. Sorry, I, <laughs> I always have more questions. Um, what is what's your goal coming up? Do you have anything particularly that you want to share with us that you're looking forward to? Yeah, so um, I have mini goals, I guess. I don't really look at the bigger picture um, mm -hmm. too much. So I like to get myself as fit as I can be and then just pick races, like not too far out. Um, oh, and cool. find that approach works for me because if I have a big target race, I don't know, sometimes things can happen, you know, plans can go into disarray. <laughs> you can't do that big event. Um, you know, it can be absolutely heartbreaking because you put so much yeah. into it. I mean, so, how many times do you see it? You know, pe people, even if it's not their first marathon, but training for marathons, you know, even me, like my, I won marathon a year for many years, but yeah. six months of training, marathon, six months, you know, or whatever it was, but that was the training for that big event. Um, whereas if you, as you said, stay kind of fit enough to be able to do a marathon within four weeks notice or something, yeah, a, a much better way to look to do it. Yeah, so just I guess just trying. My main goal overall was just again personal related, is just trying to become better than what I am currently in terms of, um, you know, I wake up every day and think I'm a better runner for the experience I've had. Um, so that's the sort of approach I'm taking at the moment, and just pushing my boundaries and just seeing what I can actually do, becoming faster at particular courses, and yeah, ultimately I do want to be on the Australian team for some form of trail running. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So. You it's interesting because you do have a, a bigger or auspicious goal out there, which is the, the you know the Australian team, but it's not like okay that means I have to go. So I yeah. kind of I like that, and you know you're not putting the pressure that some people, which would you know lead to burnout and all those other things. So yeah, so I can't tell you when the nomination period is or where the next world champs are going to be held, for example, because I haven't even looked into it. It's just there yeah. in my mind. Yeah, I love it. Um, woo woo people would talk about you know putting it out there into the universe and obviously it'll <laughs> because it's still there in your in your mind and, and you're working towards it uh, and you make it happen yeah, a bit I mean, like when you when you want a red car you see lots of red cars on the road I've got I've got a red car so <laughs> <laughs> I want a red car I need to get a red car anyway all right <laughs> thank you so much for being on before we go though can you give me some tips for beginner runners so obviously you are doing some coaching as well. So this will be a pretty easy question for you. But if someone came up to you and said, David, I really want to start running, where would you point them? What would you say? Sure. So I think the starting point is you have to go through the process of asking yourself, why are you running? Mm -hmm. So is it to become faster? Is it to become competitive? Is it just to be healthy? So you need to think about that and have that grounding before you start thinking about, you know, what you need to do to, implement um the structures to get you where you, you need to be or want to be so i think that's the very first starting point so i think a lot of people just rush into running because it's um they've done it once or twice at a fitness camp or something like that and um all of a sudden they think they want to be a runner um but i think it's just really important to ask why do you want to do it um is it the best thing for you um because i think if you actually enjoy running and you actually have a really good reason for running like it's going to take you to levels you never thought possible and be really positive experience for you mm -hmm. um if you don't really have that sort of grounding i think that that's what leads to burnout and people not meeting expectations because they've got these grand plans in the back of their minds um so i think that's the most important starting point um the second thing i'd say is that 
um, running is really complex. It mightn't seem like it is, yeah. but in terms of training and what's best for a particular individual, it's really complex. So I'd suggest doing a bit of bit of reading about running, training and things like that, um, getting a bit of a, some foundational knowledge, I guess, about you know different training sessions and different paces and what beginner runners should be doing. Um, and then branching out to um, some really knowledgeable people, whether they're coaches or fellow runners, um, joining a running group as well, um, and just trying to become, uh, I guess, educated in running because it is there's so much to it. Um, and I definitely wasn't educated in running when I first started, that's for sure. And I did so many things wrong, and that's what led to injury and burnout. So definitely getting um, people on board who know uh, running and um, coming up with a, a plan to get you where you want to be. Mm. Um, once you've sort of gone through that process and you've got some people um, who you can learn from, um, finding out what works for you. So a particular coach or a particular runner who tells you to do something, their system of training is you know, most likely not going to be your best way of training. Mm-hmm. So you need to learn what actually works for you. Um, and I went through I've learned from heaps of coaches and I've just applied what works best for me through experience mm-hmm. um, and just being, um, you know, taking the best aspects of what people tell you to do um, and then just applying it, making sure that you don't push it too far too soon. As I said before, just being really consistent and having a long-term goal um, mm-hmm. and not trying to go out there and do a, a sub 20 minute 5k straight away because, yeah. you know, there's not many people who can do that. It's very, very rare people who are so talented that they can just go out there and um, run some incredible races. And it's I did that once. Yeah. In my 20s, I went on. Yeah, that's, that's a great achievement. <laughs> okay. It was a really long time ago, though, like 30 years ago. <laughs> so I think that's, yeah, that's really important. And, you know, if you set yourself up right from the start, you've got a lot of happy um, injury-free years, hopefully, ahead. Um and yeah, just be nice and nice and um, consistent. Don't think about things too far ahead. As I said before, don't think oh, I want to be an Olympian and you started yesterday. That sort of stuff. Um, and just really enjoy it. You, if you've got that enjoyment in place, like you're going to get out, you're going to go for a run whenever you set your mind to it. Um, and yeah, that's that's the main sort of pieces of advice I'd give to beginner runners. Um, just enjoy the process. Yeah, I love that. Perfect. Great advice. Well, David, I keep banging this table. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your wisdom. You are very inspirational to many of us because of the way, uh, not not just that you, you do well at running, but also because of the way you share with the community um, and the, the person you are. So thank you for sharing it even further on the podcast. I really do appreciate the time you've shared with us. Thank you, Michelle. And sometimes it's useful to have these conversations because, um, you know, you don't really think about these sort of things until you have an open conversation like this. I mean, they're in the back of my mind, but I don't always talk about them. So, no, it's been great. Yeah, yeah, thank you. All right, stay on and I'll say goodbye to you off the, the podcast as well. But again, thank you. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you for listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast. I'd love to talk to you about your running journey. So send me a message on Facebook or on the website and let's do it for a bunch of resources on mindful running that will help you get and stay mentally and physically fit head over to the website fitmindfitbody.co and i'll see you there
Plus, I'll be back here in your podcast player a few times a week. Hit subscribe now so that you don't miss an episode. And before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review. It'll help more people to find the podcast and get inspired to start running. I'll see you soon. Bye.